Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Galatians 4 verse 1 reads, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he doesn't differ at all from the slave, although he's actually the owner of everything. He's, you know, when, when you could be the, the son of the king, but as long as you're a child, well, he says in verse 2, as, lo as long as he's under the, the guardians and managers, or, or the old King James says the tutors and the governors, that, so those of you that are familiar with those terms, they're basically under guardianship by someone looking after them when they're children. They're not considered ready to manage all the stuff that dad is in charge of because they have to grow and come to that place when, when the date is set that they'll then have it transferred over to them. Well, verse 3 says, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under this elemental things of the world. But, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because we are now sons, God sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Abba in Hebrew is Dada, we would say in English. It's not Daddy, it's Dada. It's not, not just a dad, a father. No, it's my dad. Now, this is one of the sweetest things. Maybe you don't have a good relation with your earthly parents. But let me tell you, when it comes to things of the gospel, this is one of the sweetest parts I found that, you know, some people, they didn't, maybe they're orphaned and they, they didn't even know their parents. Let me tell you, you have a heavenly father that you get to call Dada. Abba, your father, he's saying, I'll be your dad. And Paul says, this is one of the things that happens when we come to faith in this covenant. We get to be sons, heirs. Let me just explain this. If, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, when the Jews came into the land, what God promised them, he told them that you, I will bless you. You follow me. I will bless you. I will give you houses which you have not built to live in. I will give you trees to sit under and eat of the fig of the fruit of those trees which you didn't even plant. I will give you an inheritance from me, says the Lord. Now, that inheritance to a Jew that was given to them, the tribe of Gad or, or all the different tribes of the 12 tribes were actually apportioned different parts. So if you look at one of the old Testament maps, you'll see that there's little areas designated territories for each of the tribes. Here's my question. Those of you that know the Old Testament customs and laws, were they allowed to give away their land to a, a non-Jewish person? Or to, by the way, to anyone outside their, not even outside their family, right? It was supposed to be something you passed on as an inheritance. You could you, you, you could only lease it out if you got into financial trouble. But then came this thing called the year of Jubilee. Every 49 years, seven sevens, they'd have the 50th year, this year of Jubilee. And all debts are forgiven. All land goes back to who? Original owner. You get to keep your heritage. Your, what you were promised, you, you know, what you were born into, that's supposed to be passed on to you. Now, God set that up for, for the Jewish people. 
Everything he set up for them, he said was for who exam whose example? Ours. Were we wired where it's, well, you guys that know the Proverbs say it is a, is a disgrace for a man not to leave an inheritance to his children. You, you, God gave you a duty to take and raise your children up in the fear of the Lord and to look after them to the best of your ability. Even if what you leave them is just a small thing, a, a, a sentimental thing. If I say, son, this is my most important thing, this book. When I die, this is yours. This book has the wisdom to point me to Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives me everlasting life. What more valuable possession could I pass on to my son? I mean, what will I have of the stuff, the material stuff? That's just stuff. And stuff can divide families. I've seen families fight over things when a mom, dad pass away and the kids went from getting along so good to now they're at war because one of them wants the china cabinet and the other one, no, they want it and they're going to fight over it. And it's just stuff. We can't take it with us. But it is something that there's a part of us inside that those things, what, what our parents pass on to us, they mean something to us. It's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a sweet knowledge. It's a comfort to us to know I, my parents included me in their will. You know, I'm, they want to leave something to me, even if it's a small thing. I've seen some of the most cherished things that have been passed on not be big monetary gifts, but, but rather the littlest of things that the mom says to the daughter, I want you to have this ring, what my grandmother gave me, that her grandmother gave her. I've, I've worn this my whole life on my little finger. and This is going to be yours when I go. And that little, just a little, a, let me tell you, the old jewelry is not sometimes the most valuable or the most, but is it precious to the person? That's called an inheritance. Let me tell you something. When you're a Christian, a believer in the gift what God gave of his son, you now are adopted into God's family. You're now going to be an heir. Now, this is the part I got to tell you I'm very excited about because when I used to complain a little about this to the Lord, I w should I tell you that I did that? By the way, it's scriptural. Don't worry. You read it, Psalm 55. I think that's the right psalm. Let me look on the right side of my page here. Psalm 55. Evening and morning and at noon, I complained and murmured unto the Lord, and he, what? Heard my cry, and he answered. Okay. Why does it start evening, morning, and noon? Psalm 55 here. Starting in verse 16, as for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Verse 17, that's the verse I just quoted you. Psalm 55, verse, evening, morning, and noon. Now, in the Jewish calendar, their culture, the next day begins when the sun sets. Not when the sun rises. They measure the day from sunset through the night to the morning to the noon, back to the next sunset, one day. That's why when you read the book of Genesis, there was darkness upon the face of the earth. God made the light. There was dark, then light, one day. The dark was first, the night, then the day, 
light, then back to the night. So the Jewish calendar is measured a little different than ours. But basically it's saying this. Evening, morning, and noon, you get to complain and murmur. Oh, it's equivalent of, we'd say, morning, noon, and night if you want to do it Western culture style. But who do you complain and murmur to? Not the pastor. <laughs> the pastor's shoulders are not big enough to handle all your complaints. The only complaint department open 24 hours a day with a guy who can actually do something about your problem is the Lord. That's who we're here to magnify. This is, that's who we're here to point you to. You got a problem. Morning, noon, night. Evening, morning, noon, if you're from the Middle East. All day long, you can go to God. And you can complain and murmur to him, and he will hear your cry. And he will, what does the psalmist say? He'll answer. Man, I love that you can go to the Lord. If you have a problem, go to the Lord. Paul says, and the Lord will give you his spirit. And his spirit will help you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He really does. How many give an amen that God's spirit has led you in things through your life? You, you can say amen to that. Amen? There are times when we don't know what to do. And we're just like, God, I need you to direct me. And he has so many different ways he can direct us. I mean, from making a light turn red right when we were thinking we're going to go straight. And he was sitting, we're sitting there waiting. What's it taking so long for? What's it taking so long for? And then someone just appears on the sidewalk. Could I get a ride? And God's going, I just needed you to stop long enough to pay attention. A divine appointment. You're going to pick them up and just give them a ride. And you don't even realize that God is setting you up for something that he wants to use you to share his love or mercy to somebody. Just, just a ride, and it turns out that was the ride they needed to get to get to their job interview on time. And they were without a, a, a way to get there, a vehicle, and you were like an angel sent from God. And they get the job because you just had to be patient for a minute at the light. Sometimes God directs us to a simple little thing like that. And we don't even realize. His spirit is at work. We need to go back to those things of the early church where they recognized they only got to experience all these wonderful things because it was all new to them. It was, it was fresh. It was exciting. Man, God's Spirit did this. The young man was praying, and the Lord directed him, go out to the desert road, and he went out to the desert road. Remember this in the book of Acts? One of my favorite stories. He gets there, and, and there's an Ethiopian eunuch traveling by with his whole caravan, and He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. That portion that says in Isaiah 52 and 53, like a sheep, what is led before shearers is silent. He opens not his mouth. In humiliation, he goes. He, by his stripes, we are healed. The chastening of our well-being, of our peace, fell upon him. He's reading this, this Ethiopian eunuch and. You know, by the way, for him to, you know this was a man of power, wealth. Because first of all, he has, he has a, obtained a writ, back then all of the books of the Old Testament scriptures were handwritten on scrolls. Very, very costly to obtain. And he's got the entire scroll of Isaiah. That's a big deal. And he's, in the Jewish culture, by the way, the Scroll of Isaiah, the 66 chapters we call, uh, what it's broke down to today, is called the miniature Bible. 
The whole plan of salvation from man's fall into sin to God's redemption is all expressed in this one book. It's like an overview of the entire Bible. And he's reading it and he's going, who's this guy talking about that he's going to be beaten, bruised for our iniquities? Who is, is, is the prophet Isaiah talking about himself? And he's pondering these things. And here comes this kid. This kid who God had directed you, go out to the road. You, see the caravan? Go up and, and join yourself to the caravan. I can just see him running along. Do you know what you're reading? He goes, how could I unless someone explained it? And it says, I could, I could help you out there. I know that part. And he invited him up into his chariot. And from that very verse, he explained to him that Jesus was the one that came. He was the one who took away our humiliation. He's the one who paid for our sin. He's the one who made it so we could have everlasting life. And, and the man says, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And what was Philip's answer? Nothing as long as you believe. He didn't say nothing as long as you keep the Ten Commandments. Nothing as long as you do the law. No, nothing as long as you believe. And so he takes it down there, he baptizes him. As soon as he baptized him, what happened to Philip? It says he was translated, snatched up, by, caught up by God, and put down in a place called Azotos, uh, one of the little small cities of the region. But if you follow south of Jerusalem, the desert road, the only place where there's a brook of water, it's pretty far away from Jerusalem and down in a valley and... Azatos, the closest that Azatos to any bend in that brook is over 20 miles. That's the closest. I'm not saying they could have been well down the road by the time they finished this thing. They could have been 40, 50 miles away. It doesn't really matter anyway. But it says, the Lord picked him up and the Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more. He just vanished. To the eunuch, he came to faith and there went the guy. He's, the preacher's gone. And he says he went, continued on his way. By the way, historically, do we have any history of Christianity reaching Ethiopia? The Coptic Church is huge. Yes, there's, there's a lot of Ethiopian Christians. Do we have any record of the apostles going to Ethiopia? Any of the early church members? No. But we do have a record of one of the waiters one of the waiters with a Greek name who had to take care of the Hellenistic Jews that were being overlooked in the serving, uh, and the Hellenistic widows, I'm sorry, not Jews, Hellenistic widows, that means the, the Greek widows in the early church that weren't being, they were getting overlooked when it came time for serving the food. And they said, find a seven young men full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. There was qualifications just to be a waiter in the church. These guys, and put them in charge of feeding these Greek widows. And Philip, one of those seven young men, gets sent down there, right? And then the Lord snatches him up, puts him down in Azotus, and the Bible says he went right on preaching. I don't know about you, but what did you do? I mean, you just like, you baptize the guy, and all of a sudden, poof, you're gone, and poof, you're here. You'd be like, whoa. And the gospel would go all the way to Ethiopia because that young man that young man 
had one divine appointment that he listened when God told him to do one little thing. Just go down to that road. If God told you to do a little thing, just go over here. Jan, I need you to stop by Ross today after church. Just, just go. Oh, she says, thanks. <laughs> My wife says, she'll go with her. Both Jans are going to Ross. <laughs> but it's not for the shopping. It's for a soul. It, would it be worth No, if the Lord, does the Lord send us on appointments? Have any of you experienced what, what you can look back and see that was a divine appointment by God where he sent you to be the person right there at that right time to intersect with another life? We don't realize what a great, I think the Lord has been diminished in American preaching. He has, he has become somehow less of the God that he is because our small minds have put too much emphasis on us, our works. We do it for God. Baloney, God does it despite us. Let's get it right. In spite of ourselves and our puniness and our stupid mistakes, he still manages to use us, and that's how he gets the glory. And people look and go, wow, God could use Izzy. There's got to be a God. And that's a good thing. We have to be humble enough to acknowledge that. And say, you know what? Really, the glory goes to him. He's the giver of the gifts. He's the one who did it. Let's keep the focus where it belongs, on him. Do you think more people would come to Jesus if the preachers in America would put the attention back on Jesus? I mean, this is an admonishment, by the way, to all pastors. You better not be preaching messages that take people away from our Lord. The focus is him. It doesn't, using analogies, what he's worked in your life, that's great. That's your testimony. But where's the attention to go to? Where are we directing people? To Jesus. We're here to point he's the way. Look to him. And he's a big guy. And did you know he wants you to be his child? And did you know you get to inherit? Oh, oh, inherit. You are an heir, which means now my greatest objection I've had with God my whole life was taken away. God, why'd you let me be born in this messed up family? Couldn't I have been born in the Rockefellers? Or I, couldn't I have been Bill Gates' only kid? Or could I, you know, get, I didn't choose which family I was born into. And I used to always be bummed because I'm not going to get much of an inheritance from my family. But now that I'm in God's family, how big is my inheritance? Everlasting life. And everything Jesus said, everything. You, you give a cup of water to a little one in his name. Jesus said, it's like you did it unto him. And he says, he will reward you. Every divine appointment you walk in, where you give someone some food. This morning we give the food. Some people say, what's the catch? What do you want? I said, I want treasure in heaven. Please take. And they think I'm like, there's a catch. I'm like, this, no, God's real. I'm doing this as my service to him. And, and if you just freely take it, that would be great. Because everything I give in his name, I'm doing it on, you know, as my service unto him. And he says he sees it and he'll reward me. And he told me in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in my Bible, I have those words of Christ in red. It's a great, if you ever get an opportunity to give a Bible that has that uh, feature where they've changed the color of the ink. It's kind of cool because all the stuff what Jesus said pops off the page already. It's like highlighted. 
And it says in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus, he spoke to these guys. And he told them, just seek his kingdom, his righteousness. How many things get added to you? All the things. And he goes on and he tells his disciples, you guys, what, whatever you will do later in the book of Matthew, you'll say, whatever you did to the least of my brethren, you did it unto, unto me. And in Matthew 6, he'll say, he'll say these words. Store up your treasure not on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store instead up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. But whatever our treasure is, our heart gets attached to it. And Jesus knows we need our heart attached to the things of heaven. Because those things, they last forever. That's treasure nobody gets to take away from us. And I tell you, as disappointing as I've experienced some of the losses down here, I couldn't have taken it with me anyway. But everything I have done in my service unto the Lord, those things what I will receive a reward for, nobody's taking that from me. That is going to be mine. The Lord's going to give it to us. And those things, there's something... It's like the speaker that came to speak to us at the food bank. The, the governor sent one of his aides to come talk to us this week. And they addressed all of the different ministries that do the feedings. And the, and the, the man who shared was a, a Wally. He's one of the guys on the governor's board here. He said that when he was young, he was taught the Hawaiian thing is there, there is the, the pono thing to do. Pono in Hawaiian is the right thing. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And he says, and for some reason, even if you don't believe in a God, you don't believe in anything, there is a code of his parents taught him, which you could tell that he believed in God, but he was just explaining, even if you don't, it is wrong to not treat your fellow human with enough respect. If they're hungry and they're hurting, the pono thing to do is at least give them something to eat. Give them a shirt to wear. Get, you clothe them. Feed them. Now, what did Jesus say? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick or in prison, you visited me. And they said, when did we do that to you? He said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Guys, I'm, I'm spiritually greedy. I am going for as much treasure as I can get. And I'm hopefully stirring you up to do the same. I'm supposed to. The Bible says stimulate you. To love, provoke, the old King James says. Provoke one another to love and to good deeds. I'm here to get you to do that. Let's fill up those boxes for Samaritan's Purse. Let's fill up tons of boxes. Let's get, let, let's get the gospel out. And, and just do the right thing. And let's not worry about what we don't inherit here. Because what you have that's waiting for you, nobody's taken. And it's a good feeling. When you realize you get everlasting life, but it's not just everlasting life. You get an inheritance from the richest sugar daddy there is. I mean, we're talking like blows away anybody down here. He owns how much? All the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. When he gives out his inheritance, let me tell you, that's the family to be adopted into. And all of you that believe in Jesus, raise your hand. 
you're in that family. You are going to get that inheritance. I want you to go in that knowledge today that your inheritance isn't here. It's there. And it will never be taken away from you. And may that give you a, an anchor, a, you know, something strong, stability in your faith that you don't get swayed by the stupid little stuff down here because you know the real stuff, the eternal stuff is waiting for you up there. Some of you, you just can't wait to go up there just to be with some of your loved ones. Anyone here can relate to that? Someday you're going to be like, I get to see my grandma. I get to see my, my, my folks. I get to see my brother or sister or, or that dear person that died that you have such an influence on your life. Guys, all of that is part of our inheritance. That's what we get to look forward to. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.